I'm Brian Carpenter, host of Fresh Air at Five, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Hey, welcome back. Steve here. And today I'm talking with Dr. Frederick Buskey, the founder and lead consultant of Strategic Leadership Consulting, LLC, and the voice behind the Assistant Principal Podcast. Join us as we talk about helping assistant principals hey, uh, go from being only in the world of everything urgent to strategic thinking. Oh, so much to learn. Uh, this is so powerful. So much to think about. Thanks for listening. And then, by the way, before you go, it would be so cool if you went to my website, stephenmaletto.com, and uh, how about subscribe to my email list? Could you do that for me? You also could uh, check out my website while you're there. And uh, also, how about uh, click on the review button and uh, leave me a review? You know, you could uh, go in there and uh, give me five stars and maybe say some nice words. Hmm? That'd be so cool. Thanks for thinking about it, at least. Thanks for doing it. You are awesome. Enjoy the show. It's the Education Podcast, your favorite show, with lots of groovy guests, and they share what they know. So crank it up to 10 and let your neighbors know that here's another show with Dr. Steve Milletto. Teaching, learning, leading, K-12. Teaching, learning, leading, K-12. Teaching, learning, leading, K-12. Ah, ah, with Dr. Steve Milletto. Dr. Frederick Buskey is the founder and lead consultant of Strategic Leadership Consulting, LLC. His mission is to help busy leaders learn to act strategically each day. He notes one of the big ironies of leadership is that while we look to leaders for vision and inspiration, most are too busy managing day-to-day operations to actually move the organization towards the vision. After observing the same situation with leaders in organizations across multiple industries, he decided to tackle this issue head-on and in July 2018 founded Strategic Leadership Consulting, LLC. Dr. Buskey has been a teacher, coach, and change agent for over 30 years. Most recently, he invested 13 years developing coordinating training programs for aspiring school leaders at Clemson University and Western Carolina University. At both schools, he led innovative redesigns of old programs. He has written extensively on leadership development, ethics, and the dark side of leadership in both scholarly and practitioner journals. His current work focuses on combining what research tells us about leading organizations with the realities faced by real people in real organizations. He also is the host of the Assistant Principal Podcast. Frederick has a unique blend of scholarly training, an EDD in organizational leadership from Bowling Green State University, athletic coaching, P-12 teaching and administration, and public and private sector leadership development, over 20 years. His experience over the years has provided him with multiple perspectives and insight into the fundamental truths of leadership. So much to talk about today. Frederick, thanks for joining me and say hi to everyone. Hi, everyone. And Steve, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Well, glad to have you here. And this is so cool because I've been listening to your podcast and uh, we've talked a few times and uh, now we're, we're talking, I got you talking on my show. So this is, this is cool stuff. So uh, let's talk about you as an educator. What is something that uh, you have learned along your 30 years that you always want to remember? David has taken me a long, long time, but it just in the last couple of years, I think it has really sunk into me that without people, there's no purpose. And, and we need to put people before purpose. That's been my big takeaway for the last couple of years, just putting people first and then appreciating that part of the journey. That's awesome. That's a incredible thing to remember. Cause I know I've 
run into my share of uh, others that you kind of think, I think you've forgotten why you're here. You know, <laughs> it's, it's something else. So that's 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 good stuff. And and just a note, I understand what you mean. You know, I'm on year 37, and it's one of those things where you go. And that, that's where the question came from, by the way, because there's some things that I think about. And it's it's like, you know, one of those things you hope you never forget. And I, I love that because I, I think too often it's uh, it becomes something that uh, either people get so focused on themselves or they forget what we're really here for. Or they just get absolved in one aspect of their job, like, you know, yeah, that type of thing. Yeah, and I think we're I mean, most of us know like we're here for people, but it is getting distracted from that. And it's the difference between being here for people and putting people first. There's a difference. And I know for me, when I began my career, I I was so task focused. I was going to get this done. I was going to complete this. I was going to achieve this. And then as I grew, I became a little bit more aware of and caring about the systems. So it's not just about me, it is about this organization and how do we make sure that the organization works. And and the last big jump for me has been, wait a minute, the most important thing is people. I need to put people first. And once they start really listening and really learning about and taking care of people, then the rest of the stuff will start to fall into place. So cool. So right. Uh, you're the founder and lead consultant of Strategic Leadership Consulting, LLC, which I'm sure came out of lots of all this stuff you've done over the years. Uh, what made you say this is what I want or need to do? So it's a combination of a number of things. After 13 years in higher education, teaching classes, I still loved going in and working with aspiring school leaders in classes, but I found that I was starting to be satisfied. I wasn't going in and doing the hard work of making my courses better. And I never wanted to be that person that was going to cruise out. I always said, I will never take my foot off the gas. And when I felt myself starting to do that, I started thinking about other things. And and then I had this this experience that just impacted me. And, and I think we're going to talk about it later, but I'm going to go ahead and do it right now. Uh, the year before I made the decision to leave Clemson University, I was out in rural South Carolina, out in the country, getting ready to visit an intern in a uh, rural elementary school. I pull in the parking lot, get out of the car. South Carolina in April is still 80 degrees, about 90% humidity. So I'm sweating before I even get in the building, checking in on my intern and then go to visit Kelly, the assistant principal. And I walk in her office and, you know, when you go into somebody's office and you can immediately see like something's not right here, her cheeks are all flushed, her hair's out of, out of whack and there's papers all over her desk. And I said, Kelly, what's wrong? And she holds this stack of yellow forms in her hand and weighs them. And she says, it is 10 o'clock in the morning. I have seven discipline referrals. Each one of these is going to take me 30 to 45 minutes I was going to get into classrooms. I was going to work with teachers. I was going to do all these things. And my day shot. And I mean, she had tears in her eyes. And I thought, and I said, Kelly, of those seven referrals, how many of those are more about the teacher than they are about the student? And she paused. She said, five. Wow. (laughs) Five of those seven referrals 
And so I got, when I left the building, I, I just sat in my car for a while and, and it just, that story has been rattling around in my head really for, you know, since that day, but it, it was the big driver for me to make the transition because here's a smart, passionate, young assistant principal. She knew what the problem was, but she couldn't see the way out. She was just trapped by this black hole of urgency, right? And she couldn't break out of the gravitational pull. And, and so over the next year, whenever I was in schools with school leaders, I was really thinking about that story and asking them. And here's the thing that, that I noticed to no surprise, the school administrators, principals, assistant principals who said they were too busy to work with teachers had all those extraneous discipline problems. The school leaders who said they made time to work with their teachers were not overwhelmed by discipline. So, and, and even the teachers that are the principals that were overwhelmed, they knew the problem. They knew that if they could get in those classrooms, they could start to break that cycle, but they didn't know how. And so that's what I started really fixating on and working on why do these people that know how that want to get in and work with their teachers, they're unable to do it. What's wrong. And, and what I figured out, what I landed on is that they're caught in, I call it the gravitational pull of the black hole of urgency. They're caught in the urgent zone. And the thing that they're trying to do is they're trying to manage time. And they think if I can just manage my time better then I can get into classrooms, but time's not the problem. The problem is priorities. And so what I'm really passionate about doing, Steve, is helping school leaders move from trying to manage their time to trying to manage their priorities. Because once you can make that jump, now there are all kinds of things that all of a sudden start to settle to the bottom because they are not as important as getting in teachers' classrooms. Yeah, it's so awesome. It's just so powerful because having been an assistant principal, I have, uh, and I, I was an assistant principal in the place where I'd been a teacher, and then I got recruited to go to a neighboring county um, in a much larger, went from a middle-sized high school to a very large high school. And, and uh, you know, it's one of those things where, uh, you know, you can get so overwhelmed and so forth. And then what's funny about it is, you know, like at the be on the front of your webpage, you talk about how, uh, um, you know, the idea that you help uh, um, assistant principals spend their days not putting out fires, you know, it's, and and I love that because, uh, uh, especially because it has a different meaning for me simply because of this. Um, I had a colleague one day who, uh, um, I guess one of the, a couple of teachers were looking for me for some, some reason and uh, um, he told them that I was, uh, he told this teacher that I was putting out fires and uh, she asked him, uh, oh, I didn't know there was a fire in the building <laughs> and uh, <laughs> literal. Yeah. Took it a little too literally. And, and, uh, it was funny because, uh, um, he took time to explain, you know, explain and then, uh, uh, it kind of worked itself out, but, uh, you know, it's just funny because that got back to me later in the day as someone said, um, I don't know if you know this, but there's a rumor that you've been putting out fires today and I, it's always kind of stuck with me. And then when I saw it at the top of your website, you know, it's, you think about that, uh, that is so easy to get caught in the world of urgency, like you're talking about, especially as an assistant principal. 
Yeah. I mean, part of it's the nature of the job, right? You have to do all this stuff. And we always like to think about the Eisenhower matrix. So that that upper left quadrant is urgent and important. And that is everything that is everything that's safety related, right? And then all your legal obligations. And school safety has to be your number one job. Keep everybody safe. So if there's a quadrant one thing that comes up, you've got to deal with that. Quadrant two is important, but not urgent. And that's where the teacher development and teacher growth work comes, except when we have to meet the deadlines for turning in our evaluations, right? right. But most of the time, there is not that urgency and that that burn that we have to go in and observe a teacher. We have to have a conversation with the teacher or listen to them process their teaching. That's quadrant two. And then quadrant three is urgent, but not important. And that's where the challenge is. And that's where the opportunity is. Because when we're caught in the urgent of quadrant one, we it makes it hard to be really thoughtful about the urgent of quadrant three. So we just get used to running from this to this to this. And so, yes, we're in quadrant one, but then we also start doing things in quadrant three that really aren't that important, but they're urgent. And we're in that mode. And so the big challenge for people is to be is to be able to stop and just say, wait a minute, where is this on the scale of importance? Okay, somebody parked in the teacher's parking space. And does that worth the 30 minutes that I was actually going to go in and invest with this new teacher who said, I need you in my room. Can you help me figure some things out? Right. So it's it's that, again, going back to that idea of managing time instead of managing priorities. I love that. And by the way, that's an awesome example, because uh, uh, I pretty much have had to deal with that not only as a uh, as an assistant principal, but as a principal trying to explain to the uh, the teacher that, uh, yes, there I appreciate the importance that you feel for this. But we have a few other things that are going on right now that we're going to have to pay attention to. So uh um, next page, we'll get back to you. <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> that's one of those things. It's uh, it's always like, uh, do we have numbers in the parking lot, or shouldn't we have numbers in the parking lot? And even if you don't have numbers, then uh, people park in the same places all the time, and someone still might park in that place that is considered someone's parking space. So that's another yeah. podcast, I think. But <laughs> yeah, well, and you know, as assistant principals, we want to take care of people. We want to help people. And, and sometimes we go too far in that and that we start carrying everybody else's monkeys. So the parking issue, that's not my problem. That's your problem. Right. Um, but in my exuberance and my desire to serve, I take on that problem. And now I'm living in quadrant three instead of quadrant two and try to pound on it. The choice is always, do I do this or do I go in and support a teacher? That's always, except for safety, that's always the choice. I love that. I love that, love that, love that. That's, uh, and I'm pretty sure that I never had a class on that one. So, you know. (laughs) (laughs) I I didn't either. So, uh, you know, you mentioned your experience as a principal, assistant principal, and I just, full disclosure, I was never either. I was a, I went from being a teacher to a county office special ed coordinator, And I actually think that's been an advantage for me because I never go into situations thinking, well, this is how I did it. I've had to listen and steal everything I can from from the best 
and learn from the worst. You know, you steal from the best and learn from the worst. So I have been laser focused on that over the last 10, 15 years and just watching, okay, this is what all the really good principles are doing. So this must be the thing that that we should do. And then I just try to take all those great ideas that people are doing and put them into packages that make it a little bit more accessible for the rest of us. That's awesome. It, it's very cool too, that you're, you're talking to those people that are in their role and trying to figure out how to help them through that. Cause I can tell you that it really, from the aspect of uh, the idea of coaching or whatever you want to call it is that it's so important because you can get so caught up in the different, I mean, there's just so many different little hats that you could end up wearing as an assistant principal that suddenly uh, you have time for nothing. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So good stuff. I, I, you know, one of the things I, I got to ask you a couple of thoughts here. All right. So um, let's talk about an assistant principal who's getting ready to meet with a parent who's not happy with them. Got any thoughts that you would share with a, an assistant principal about getting ready for that meeting? So I think there's two big things there. And the first big thing has three steps. So number one, understand that no matter what you've previously relationship you've had with the parent, no matter what you've heard about the parent, that parent deserves respect. They're a human being and every human being deserves respect. So we have to start there. And the second thing that follows closely with that is every parent is doing the best job they can. I mean, they may be terrible. They may be abusing their child. They yell at their child. They're not feeding them, but no parent gets up in the morning and says, I'm going to be the worst parent I can be today. Nobody, everyone gets up and tries to do the best they can. And so if I understand that this parent deserves my respect and they're doing the best they can, now all of a sudden I'm out of the judgment business. I don't have to judge the parent, which means I can be much more open and meet them as another human. And then the third part of the front end is to understand it's not about me. I had a parent call me one time when I was teaching, she called me and just started really laying into me about her daughter and a grade on the assignment and this and this. And, and after about 15 minutes, you know, I let her kind of run her course. And then, and then I said, look, Brooke's mom, I, I, I'm not quite sure what you're talking about. Can you, I, can you tell me what specifically you're talking about? And she said, yeah, it's that grade she got on the, on the English essay. Steve, I taught social studies. <laughs> right? Nice, nice. <laughs> but she had my phone number because I gave every kid my phone number at the beginning of the year. She couldn't call the English teacher, but she could call me. Right. And so that was a really big lesson for me is it's not about me. It's about something else. And, and in the end, it probably wasn't even about the English teacher. So if we know that we have to respect people, if we know people are doing the best they can, and then that it's not about us, now my emotions are out of it. And now I can get to what the real purpose of that meeting is. And the purpose of that meeting is to figure out what the problem is, is not to solve it. The purpose of that meeting with the parent is to figure out what the problem is. And if you can do that, then that, that, that meeting is going to be a win. That's awesome. And I love that advice because that's something that, uh, you know, one of the things that I, I, I think happens is that you get this idea for some reason that you want to be an assistant principal because you have this thought of being a, a building principal or you have 
you know, whatever your pathway is that you're trying to make for yourself. And so suddenly you, uh, you find yourself uh, not sure what causes you to do it, but your brain says, finish that application, and now you're going to become an assistant principal. And, and suddenly it happens to you, you know, boom, uh, Glenda the Good Witch says, hey, you're now an assistant principal. And nowhere in there is there usually someone who spends a little bit of time with you going, you know, at some point you're going to have a meeting with somebody who's not happy with you. <laughs> Um, so here's some thoughts, and I, I like what you just uh, were talking about because it's it's always important to have you know because we have the same we should have the same thoughts in mind that we want their child to do well or make better choices or whatever the situation calls for. At least we got that ground yeah. right. Yeah. Well, and here's the thing: the the all those new teachers coming in, they never had that course either. Right. <laughs> so we did you call the parent? No. Why not? Well, because they don't know how. They don't know what that conversation's supposed to go like. Oh, I love that. That's I mean, I think every every school. One of the lessons I learned over thirty years, especially the the time as a, especially as a principal, is that uh, it's time for us to have a conversation with all our, uh, our all our staff who think, and even those who don't think they need help in it. Uh, at least join us, humor me for a little bit, and let's have a little talk about how how to get ready for that conversation and and what not to say in an email. And matter of fact. The email should say something like, hey, uh, how about we get together? Uh, here's some dates and times. Could we get together and have a discussion about this? Uh, you know, as opposed to, um, you know, putting it all in capitals and uh, <laughs> exclamation point, yeah. exclamation point. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, it's a, it's it's interesting. Uh, but you're so right. You know, no one ever said uh, to me as a, t- you know, teaching candidate, you know, one day you're going to have a meeting with someone who's not going to be happy with you. And, uh, yeah. And then it happened again. And then as a note, then it happens to you again when you become a principal and hopefully by then some of it's sunk in and going certain things I should not say nor do. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, and part of it too, is, you know, we're, we're all operating on patterns of history and how things have gone before and so understanding that as a teacher or maybe as that assistant principal, I've been chewed out and treated poorly by a parent before, maybe by that parent who wants to come in now and talk to me. Right. And so that's part of the challenge is laying that aside. And that's, hey, no matter what's happened, they deserve my respect. And I got to remember they're doing the best they can do. I don't know the situation. I don't know what's happening. Somebody drove by me the other day and sped and cut me off. And, you know, my first thought was, ah, I'm, I'm really mad. And then I thought maybe their mom just died. Maybe they're on their way to the hospital. Who, who knows? And, and whether they are or not, that's the part that's irrelevant. What's important is I don't need to be judging. I don't need to be judging other people. And as soon as we get out of the judgment business, Steve, life gets so much easier. And again, it's taken me 50 years to get there. <laughs> That's so powerful. I love it. You know, it's uh, it's one of those things that uh, you, you talk about that because, you know, it's funny. I, I think sometimes we have to remind ourselves that we have this these work relationships and we got to figure out how to make them happen. And, uh, you know, because we do we should have some common agreement to ground, which is the child to do well. And, you know, it's just funny because uh, what you're talking about just reminded me I had a situation where a parent was very upset with me for following up on what the assistant principals, you know, sided with what they did and said, no, it should happen this way. And so, you know, went about the next million things you got to do. And um, the, the weekend came along. It was right before the weekend. It was Friday evening, and I was driving over to wherever I'm going, whatever football game, basketball game, whatever it was that I was going to, and there's a big 
backup of traffic. Now, when I was in college, I had a job where I delivered plumbing parts and pieces and all that sorts of stuff, job sites. And, and I'll never forget the day that I, you know, it's, stuff wasn't strapped on tight enough on the truck. Someone pulled out in front of me, put on their brakes, and all this stuff went flying onto the street. And in that town, the police would give you multiple tickets <laughs> if you were there. And I'm trying to put all that stuff in my truck. And, and uh, someone, you know, most people drove by and said funny things to me, or at least stuff they thought was funny. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, <laughs> and, uh, um, and then this one guy stopped. He blocked traffic with his work truck, and he got out and he helped me. And I thanked him profusely. And I said, uh, I, I said, thank you so much. He said, I saw all the people. He said, but this has happened to me. He goes, one day you'll give get a chance to give back. Now I tell you that story to tell this because we'd had this interaction and I, I mean, I there's nothing personal about it, but he must've thought that because so the traffic was backed up. I get out of my car. Pull, you know, I pull my car over the side and I get out cause I'm going to go see if I can help. Cause I can tell that it looks like there's stuff. And there was, there's lumber everywhere. Well, it's this father and his son. And, um, I just didn't say a thing. I just went in and started helping him pick up and some other people stopped and helped us pick up and put the lumber back on the truck on the, whatever it was, a trailer or whatever that had fallen off of. And, and he looked at me and he said, why are, why are you doing this? And I said, because you need help. <laughs> and I told him, you guys have a good, good night. And I mean, I, I just thought it was funny because obviously I don't think, maybe he thought I took it personal or something. I don't know. It's just, just it's just an interesting situation when we realize we're, we're still on the same planet together. I don't <laughs> We might disagree, but uh, anyway. Yeah, we are connected in more ways than we realize. Yeah, it's it it is funny that way, you know. It's like uh, we, you know, we we may have these disagreements, but you know, believe it or not, we may have some things we agree upon. <laughs> yeah, and it it's different if you live in a rural area. We live in a rural area. If you have something that blows up with a parent or a kid or a teacher. You're going to see them in the grocery store. You're going to see them at the ball game. You're going to see them at the parade. And, and so that is a different dynamic. And in some ways it raises the stakes, but in other ways, I think we are all more sensitive that we got to figure out a way to get along. We may be butting heads right now, but we can't carry this out in the community because then it gets really bad for everybody. You got that right. All right, so let's let's shift gears here. Let's talk about the assistant principal and teacher evaluations. Now, there's nothing personal there, right? <laughs> um, or could it be misconstrued that way or anything like that? So what are some pitfalls that could be avoided when you're talking about when they get themselves involved in doing teacher evaluations? I want to preface it by saying I think our teacher evaluation system is is a mess, and I'm going to try to illustrate why. Steve, we're heading into the end of the academic year, the school year. Uh, can you share with me in your leadership, what do you think is the one of the best things that you've done as a leader this year for, for your organization, for the North, the North Georgia? I'm going to mess this up. Help me. Oh, it's good. It's North Georgia RISA. All right. Regional North Educational Georgia Services. Risa. Yeah. So what do you think is one of the, the highlights of your leadership this year? I think uh, trying to bring the group together as a as a whole to uh, identify what we exist for, and then going about doing it, and mm. and helping to support them do that. Yeah, and and so what's your biggest surprise this year? 
<laughs> okay, now you're testing me. Um, so yeah. <laughs> I, I think one of the biggest surprises is that there are, uh, and this isn't really a surprise, but uh, you have to sometimes in, in my world be able to show people there's a reason why you exist. We exist for a reason, and that is to support, serve and support. And uh, we, we do lots of good things. It's just that, uh, you know, it's kind of like uh, convincing the child to eat their uh strained peas or something, you know, the stuff that's in the, in the jar, um, for any of my work people, any, any of my supervisors uh, listening to this, um, I'm not talking about you. (laughs) (laughs) So if there was one aspect of your leadership that you wanted to still grow in, what would that be? Oh, I think I can always learn more about how to, uh, um, connect with people, how to, uh, um, how to take the, the connection to the next level so that you're kind of, um, you know, working towards similar goals so that you, you know, uh, I think one of the best ways to, to mention it is uh, if you've ever read the book that deal with crucial conversations, they get into stories that we tell ourselves. And I mm-hmm. think the, we get so caught up sometimes in thinking that the world is this way when it's actually just our brain telling us stories and none of that's real. And it's like, you know, so I, I think, how I can get continue to always get better is understanding uh, um, that we're all built a little differently. We have certain things in common. We have certain things not in common. And it's just like, it's just like the fact that uh, um, I don't know. I don't know how anybody else could be a a fan of uh, any team other than the Atlanta Braves. All right. So, (laughs) (laughs) but but for some reason there are these fans of the Mets. I don't, I don't get that. Um, um, By the way, that was not Steve talking at that time, but uh, the, you know, the, the point is, is that I think I always have to get better at reminding myself that we all see the world a little differently. I mean, you worked at, at Clemson. I, my yeah. son and wife went to tech. I mean, they, they may not even be appreciative of me talking to you. So, <laughs> so Steve, let's do this. All right. Here's your contract for next year. Done a great job. And let's throughout next year, let's work together and let's focus on how you can continue to grow in taking those perspectives. Cause I know in the work that you just talked about doing, bringing people on board and making sure that people understand the value that, that the Reese is bringing part of that, that's going to get better as you continue to grow in figuring out where those people are coming from. That's an awesome, awesome goal. Evaluation's done, Steve. And here's the thing. 95% of the people we work with don't need to be evaluated. If, if I said right now, whoever, everybody listening, you're not going to be evaluated next year, no job evaluation. How many people that are listening are going to say, oh, now I can slack off. Now I'm not going to work hard. Now I don't care. Nobody, right? We do this work because we're passionate, because we care. And, and part of that means we want to get better inherently we want to grow and we want to get better. And the sad thing is that a lot of the evaluation process actually gets in the way of that because it becomes about ratings instead of about you telling me where you want to grow and then me helping you grow in that direction. So if you can find a way as a school leader to flip the evaluation process and not make it about you telling them, but make that evaluation process about them telling you how they need to grow and how you can support them. Now it's a win. 
And I'm talking about 95%. There's 5% of the people we need to evaluate. We need to document. We need directive coaching and directive support for them to stay in the profession or leave profession. But that's 5%. The other 95%, I should be helping you take the lead on how you need to grow. And I should be serving you in that growth. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> that is awesome because that is, you know, one of the biggest problems whatsoever is, uh, is first of all, is a prescribed sort of thought that this is how you get better. Well, we're all different. We have our different needs or strengths and weaknesses. And, and I love what you're talking about. If, uh, if I'm helping you try and um, address what you think you need help in, then, uh, you know, as opposed to the, I mean, because then the ones who are the one you just have this focus that has nothing to do with the school or nothing to do with the kids. That's where the real, you know, yeah. the prescribed things so, right. come in. When, when I work face to face with assistant principals, there's this video I show and it's this kind of classic social studies teacher who just gets up and starts droning on and the lessons it's terrible. It is a train wreck. But when I ask assistant principals, I say, okay, what, feedback would you give? And if you could only focus on developing one skill with this teacher, what skill would you develop? If I have 10 APs in the room, I get five different answers. And, and that tells us that either we're not very good at figuring out what the critical element is, or that it doesn't really matter, right? There's so much wrong with that teacher it doesn't matter what we focus on, anything's gonna be an upgrade. So why not find out what the biggest pain point is for that teacher and then help them solve their pain point? Because now I'm serving them. They identified the pain point. Now they own that. It's not me driving it and I can support them. And once we get that done, I mean, it may be something stupid. Like I want, I want my A's to look better when I write notes on the board. Okay, fine. But once I help them achieve that, then we go to the next pain point and the next pain point. And that's how we develop trust. That's how we grow a relationship. And that's how we also kind of build the teacher's confidence in us. In us. If I can help them achieve their goal, now all of a sudden I've shown my value. I love that. Because that's. I think that's one of the biggest, you know, one, one of the things I've always experienced as it doesn't matter where I was, but as an administrator dealing with evaluations is that um, new teachers seek your help. Um, some veteran teachers pretty much figure that you're not going to ruin them. So, <laughs> but, it, but it's somewhere in that six to 10 year range that you might start butting heads. And that really speaks to the idea that they, you know, they're thinking about growth or whatever, you know, the ones who are really thinking about work and stuff like this, that uh, they could probably help you help them. Um, as opposed to dealing with the prescribed uh, thing that you're dealing with. I mean, you know, the state of Georgia has uh, something called uh, um, TEKS, and uh, that's short. That's a <laughs> acronym, obviously. Um, and it's in the process of being changed also. But I think one of the things they're, they're missing from it, when it first came out, it was a, there was a whole political drive that brought it into existence. And part of it was uh, there's these numbers, one, two, three, and four, right? Four being the best. And lots of systems said things like, no one gets a four. And you're like, what do you mean no one gets a four? Well, no one gets a four. And it's like, well, nice. Well, if I give someone a four, then what do I have to do in order to give them a four? And, it, you know, you can understand that. I mean, you have all these discussions of the idea that they were thinking that most teachers are going to be like a two. And it's like, yeah, but you can't do it that way. And anyway, so you, you get my point about the discussion. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, I think that brings a um, important point for school leaders to think about. And, and that is we get locked into a lot of mandates. There's a lot of mandates in education and they're not going away or if they're going to be changed. You're always working within mandates. And so you can approach that as I have to serve the mandate or I can make this mandate serve me. And, and sometimes it, sometimes we miss that opportunity. So if there's a new uh, evaluation coming on board, what element, what one little sliver of that evaluation is actually going to make it easier for me to serve you? Maybe, maybe it's the way the post-observation conference is structured or the pre-observation conference or whatever it is. How do I leverage that to achieve the goals that we want to achieve? And if my mission is to help you grow as a teacher, as a leader, then how do I take this mandate and find the piece of it that I can use then to serve that purpose. Oh, I love that. Good stuff. I mean, you know, just as a note, I, I hate to, this because I got to move on, but I could. This is good stuff right here. We could. Uh, I think we could get it. Uh, turn this into a class, man. <laughs> Episode five ninety five, Steve. There you go. There you go. <laughs> the uh, all right. So let me shift gears now. Let's let's talk about something else. All right. Um, you know, I think you may have just finished an assistant principal cohort where you focused on the journey from urgent to strategic leadership. So how'd it go? And talk about that a little bit. Yeah, so this was really a field test for my book that I've written as a guide. And it's about the five stages of moving from urgent to strategic. And we've already talked a little bit about that, but it it's a journey that happens over time. And, and the first thing, first stage is just being aware that of what urgent leadership is, right? All of a sudden, now I understand that Eisenhower matrix. I understand I'm caught in quadrant two, quadrant one and three. And, and so starting to understand what that means to be an urgent leadership, the, the U-turn, the thing that really flips it is stage two, which is stop trying to manage your time and manage your priorities. When that light bulb goes off and you say, I'm never going to manage time out of this. I have to change the way I look at my priorities and focus on that. And then stage three is intentional leadership. And in stage three, what I'm trying to do is now change the systems and the expectations of the people around me so that I can do those priorities. I was talking to one of the participants actually this morning and she was saying, one of the things that I'm getting better at is blocking off my time. Like I tell the office, I tell people, I shut my radio off so that I can go in and I can get that stuff done in this one chunk of time. And it takes me 30 minutes of uninterrupted time instead of 90 minutes. Because she knows if she can prioritize that and protect that work for that 30 minute block of time, that's going to allow her then to go out and focus on those other priorities of being with teachers and helping to grow her teachers. So stage three is changing systems. And then stage four is I, I call that the boost or the accelerator. That's when we take those few minutes that we can save every day by getting out of quadrant three. And, and it's minutes. We're not talking about hours of time. You're never going to have an assistant principalship where you go in and read the paper and drink coffee. It's not happening. But if you can find five minutes, then you can go down that hall with that first, second, third year teacher. And then you can have the conversation. You can invest five minutes and say, tell me what's happening. 
hey, what went well in your lesson today? What were the surprises? What what would you like to change next time? You can take those five minutes and reinvest them. And that's that stage four that just accelerates you to focus on and to build people. And then stage five is moving into strategic leadership, which is the whole system and the practices that we build around so that so that we're really focused on developing and growing our teachers. So we did that. We did it as a five week journey, one week on each piece. And and it's written as a guide. So they had content. We did weekly challenge. So then they would apply that content in a way that was based in their actual work and their school. And and then we would debrief on a Thursday and kind of compare notes. So uh, they really appreciated it. I mean, it's hard to get assistant principal's attention is hard. Everybody that's listening to this is probably dry on the drive home because they're, <laughs> right. they're not sitting around. So, but we got on one episode and uh, Gina is one of the participants and I'm looking hard to Gina, where are you? She said, I'm in my closet. <laughs> what? <laughs> So that kids are around and everything's chaos. And I want to focus on what we're talking about today. So she literally did our call from, from her closet. So to me, that really spoke volumes about the value that they see in it. And uh, we had some really good outcomes. Five weeks, not enough. I and mean, that was one of the things I learned too, right? Wow. We need to kind of stretch this out a little bit, but we had some really good stuff happen. Um, Brenda told me, she's the, the biggest thing I'm, I've figured out is I I need to be more intentional. I need to make sure that instead of getting sucked into something during the the first hour of the day, I'm out there, I'm visible, I'm interacting. And instead of just focusing on the kids, I need to be focused on the teachers. So yeah, it was great fun. That's so awesome. That's really cool. And and I know, because I want to get you to talk about, mention this later, but uh, I think right here would be a great place because uh, you have another cohort coming up, right? <laughs> we have a lot of plans. Ah, cool. <laughs> so we'll run, I call this the journey because it's the journey from strategic, from urgent to strategic. And, and I refer to these as adventures because I don't want people to think it's a class and I do my reading and I go to class. I want people to think about it as an adventure. Like we're going to go wade into our leadership and do really cool, exciting things. So the journey is an adventure that we will run next year in January, February. So people can tune in the website and I'll have more information up there as we get closer. Two other journeys that we're kicking off here in the fall. One is a mentoring program for brand new assistant principals and second year assistant principals. So that's going to be really fun because we're going to try to start them out right away with this thing of understanding the urgent zone. And they're going to be stuck there anyway, but at least they'll get that head start and understand. And we'll be able to work them through, I think, that first year, taking them from urgent through strategic throughout the whole course of that year. So I'm really excited about the mentoring program. And then the other one that we're going to do, I haven't figured out the catchy name yet. So maybe if you or one of the listeners wants to make a suggestion, I'm calling it right now, new teacher acceleration. So it's, it's a focused kind of step-by-step process of how you, as an assistant principal, how you can accelerate your new and early career teachers growth during the first six weeks of the school year. And it it's very heavy on suggestions go in, check in this day, ask this question. So people aren't going to have to be trying to 
figure out what stuff looks like. It'll be fairly prescriptive, not quite that tight. But in doing that, we also are going to learn and, and focus on the skills of that are going to transfer to supporting all teachers. So when we talk about observing your new teacher, again, we'll be very concrete and provide a lot of guidance on that, but that's a skill that's gonna transfer over. So it's a great way to focus assistant principals on the work of supporting those early career teachers, which is absolutely critical and a place we're missing the boat, but then also do it in a way that's gonna develop their skills later for all teachers and eventually for the assistant, for the principalship, because that's the instructional leadership job. That's so awesome. That's cool that you're taking on this, uh, this task of working with uh, people and helping them uh, be successful at what they do. So good stuff. Uh, more to come on that. And uh, I got to encourage everyone to watch uh, um, the website, uh, um, strategic leadership uh, um, consulting there. There we go. Um, for yeah, it'd uh, be Frederick, Frederick Busky.com. There we so, go. Cool stuff. Yeah. That'll make it easy. And we'll have that in the show notes. Now I'm not finished yet. Cause I got a couple other things that I want to talk about. It sounds like I'm bringing it to a close and I'm not because you know, you have a, this awesome podcast. It's called the Assistant Principal Podcast. Um, who's your target audience and what's your main focus? Every episode I record, I record four assistant principals. Uh, I think it's all, it's applicable to other school leaders, but I want assistant principals to feel like they have something that belongs to them. You, the assistant principalship is a lonely space. And if you go out and look at podcasts, there are a lot of principal podcasts. There are a lot of generalized school leadership podcast, great ones like this one, but there's nothing specifically for assistant principals. So that's the target. And the themes I try to build around are the four principles of strategic leadership. And the first principle is, is people, right? People before tasks and people before purpose. The second principle is purpose, right? focusing on what's important instead of what's urgent. The third principle is problems, not symptoms. So instead of spending time treating symptoms, I'm going to invest time identifying problems. And then the fourth principle of strategic leadership is progress, not action. Because that's what happens when we're in the urgent zone. We just get focused on doing. And, and you know, you can expend a lot of energy playing whack-a-mole and hitting one thing and then going after the next, and you can get a good workout and you're in action the full time, but in the end, you really haven't made anything better. And so strategic leaders focus on that progress. So everything I try to do in there relates to that in some way. And, and people that have been listening recently know I'm really dialed in on, on people and how we care for each other. It is a hard, hard time to be an educator. And it's a hard time to be an educational leader. And, and we need to double down our focus of supporting each other. So that's been a lot of the emphasis. And I, I release two episodes a week. So the Tuesday episode is usually about 75% of the time it's a guest. And then the other 25% of the time it's me talking about a specific subject. And then on Fridays, we always do the five for Friday, which is a shorter 10 to 15 minute podcast. And that recaps my daily leadership emails. Um, I do a, a leadership email comes out at 6 a.m. every morning, Monday through Friday. And in the, the podcast, I recap those and try to pull lessons together from the week and also make it just more targeted for assistant principals. 
Awesome. And I'm a su- subscriber to your podcast. Love it. And it's got great information. And, uh, um, and unfortunately, you stole my thunder. I was getting ready to talk, <laughs> talk about the, everything from uh, the assistant principal with the, the teacher versus uh, leader problems to the, uh, to the uh, teacher versus the kid problems. And, uh, and then the, even the, the, the assistant principal is in the closet. So I love that stuff. And, but uh, see, I wouldn't have known that stuff. And I hadn't been listening to your podcast. So it's uh, <laughs> good stuff. I'm glad you shared those stories. And, uh, but uh, I love the content and I encourage my listeners to uh, subscribe and uh, you'll, you'll learn a lot, especially talking about those relationships and things that uh, you just find yourself getting stuck in that world of uh, um going in circles here, putting out fires, just doing that all the time. Uh, all right. So I, I got to, as we're moving forward here, I got, if you had a chance to talk with an auditorium, a brand new assistant principals, Frederick, uh, it's July. They're getting ready for their first fall as an assistant principal. Is there some advice or thoughts that you would like you know, them to remember as they left your talk? I, I would like them to think about what they would want to feel at the end of their first year. And I think most assistant principals at the end of the year, if if we say you were valued, you were respected, and you were cared for, you end the year and you know you're valued, respected, and cared for, that's a win, right? That was a pretty good year. And I think in the end, that's what most assistant principals, when they're starting, if they could have those three things, that's a win. And the thing is, that's true for all the teachers as well. If teacher finishes the year and they say, I was valued, I was respected, I was cared for. My assistant principal valued me as a human being. They respected my teaching and they care about me. That's a win. So in the midst of all urgency, in the midst of the fires, you have to communicate to your teachers you value them, you respect them, and you care about them. And the best way to do that is to be present. Not not just be there, be present. So physically be present, but also give your attention, 100% of your attention. Because the two most precious resources we have, Steve, are time and attention. And attention doesn't get enough focus. When I'm with you and I give you 100% of my attention, that is a huge gift, a huge gift. And teachers know it. Teachers know we're busy. And teachers know that if you dial in and you are focused and you're listening and you're not looking at your phone and you're not thinking about the next task or where you're headed, they know that. And they know that that's the value. And so we need to be present and we need to understand that the presence is the gift. We don't have to give advice. We don't have to say, oh, I can do something about that. Or have you tried? We don't have to do that. We have to listen, say, I hear you. I hear you. That's the gift. So don't overcomplicate it. Be present. Be present with people. Be present for people. Give them your time. Give them your attention. And shut your mouth. Because they don't need your answers. They need you. They need your presence. Oh, that is powerful. I love it. Great advice. And that would be great stuff. So everyone listening to stepping in that role or this is, you just finished whatever year you just finished. It doesn't matter. You got a lot to think about as you get ready for July and getting ready for the next year. So good stuff. I want to plug my mentoring program again too, because I know a lot of states do, some states don't do some mentoring for assistant principals and most districts will have something in onboarding. 
But one of the things we're really going to try to do in our program is to have these kinds of constant reminders. You're not going to go to a meeting in Raleigh or Sacramento or wherever and hear about this kind of stuff, right? And and the time you need to hear about it is in the middle of the week when you're drowning. So having if it's my mentoring program or another one, being plugged into a network of people who get the human side of it and that are there to remind you and support you, I think is is really, really important. So that's so awesome. So just to remind everybody and you're be able to, you need to stay in touch. You need to stay in touch with Frederick. This would be awesome because it can help you. Um, he's going to be able to help you get through and figure out and, and focus on whatever pathway you're going to. So I, Frederick, just remind everybody, if someone wanted to follow up and connect with you and or learn more, where'd you send them? My preference, because I love building relationships and meeting people, my preference is email me. Just email me at frederick at frederickbuskey.com and say, hey, I heard you on the show and and let's connect and and start having the conversation because that's in the end, guys, that's all we have. All we have is each other. So email me. If that doesn't work for you, you can find me on LinkedIn. It's at F Busky. And then my website is frederickbuskey.com. I do have links to the mentoring program. The other stuff is uh, will be coming, but that's up there. So, you, and you can subscribe to the daily email. You'll get a little pop-up on the website. So I think those are the best ways to reach me. Awesome. Very cool. And I'll have that information in my show notes. So it's easy for everybody to remember and find that, uh, um, to connect out, uh, to connect with you. So good stuff. So Frederick, I got two last questions and they have nothing to do with anything we've been talking about. It's just that they're kind of, um, they fit real well right now. Um, First one goes like this. How do you keep going when so much is going on that you may want to quit? It's first remembering why I do what I do. And most of the times when I struggle, I'm focusing on stuff outside of why I do what I do. So do what I do to help people. And as soon as I take my eye off that and I start worrying about the business or the finances or my own feelings, that's when I get in trouble. So refocusing on, on what the mission is. And, and then remembering that it's my, in the end, it's my choice, how I show up. I I can't always change how I feel, but I can, I can choose how I show up. And if I put that veneer on and get after it, chances are, I'm probably going to feel better as well. So that's the idea. And I make it clear. There are a lot of days I fail in both of those things. And some days are really hard. But when I work my way out of it, it's because I remember my mission and I remember that it's my choice on how I show up. Love it. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, Last question for you. Do you have a teacher in your past who made a difference in your life? If so, who was it? And what would you say if given the chance to say thank you? Mm. Can I thank three? I'll be really fast. Go right ahead. (laughs) So uh, Jan Osborne was my superintendent at the Putnam County Educational Service Center. And I was a pretty headstrong 40-year-old, late 30s, 40s when I joined that staff. And Jan taught me to be humble because I thought a lot of myself in those days. So Jan, thank you so much. You taught me to be humble, which has laid the groundwork for everything else. Jackie Jacobs hired me at Western Carolina University, and she taught me to think bigger than what was in front of me and to start to really think about the systems and be aware of how everything connects and ripples. And then finally, it sounds corny, but my wife, Pam, who's also an educator. And 
Steve, she has always been a people person. We've been married almost 35 years now. And I don't think I would have become as good a human being and as focused on caring about people if I didn't have her example leading me every single day. So I'd like to shout out to all three of those people who are just incredible people. Love it. That's so awesome. Thanks for sharing. And Frederick, thanks so much for talking with me. I am wishing you the best with Strategic Leadership Consulting LLC, your assistant principal podcast and everything you do. All the best. Steve, this was great. Thank you so much. Thanks for being patient and having fun. Hey, you have been listening to Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12, a podcast to help you help kids achieve their dreams. Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 is a member of the Education Podcast Network. Podcasts for educators, podcasts by educators. Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 is a member of the podcast network based in Canada called Voice Ed Radio. Voice Ed Radio, your voice is right. The opinions expressed on Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 are those of the guests and hosts. Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 is intended to share ideas, advice, and suggestions. Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 is produced for educational purposes. Hey, thanks for listening. It would be awesome if you visited my website at stephenmaletto.com and connected with me, left a review, and listened to more episodes. And by the way, you could also share it with your friends, with your family, and uh, your colleagues. Thanks so much. You're awesome.